Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide. Hi, everybody. AJ Hodell, CEO and founder of the Athletic Scholarship Corporation, found on the web at www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. And also, uh, ASC Radio Sports. Today, we have a special guest, Coach Russ Martin. He's been coaching for about 25 years, to my estimate, and he'll give you guys background on himself in a minute. Um, but I wanted to start off for the NCAA folks. I always say this. This is not an endorsement. He's not endorsing us. He's not endorsing any type of product. This content is solely for educational purposes for student athletes, parents, and high school coaches to understand the recruiting process. Now that we got that out of the way, Coach Martin, I really appreciate your time. Welcome to the show. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I also appreciate your uh, uh, 25 years. It's actually 38. <laughs> is it really? I, I like yours. I like yours better. Yes, oh, it is. You know? I'm way off. So. Uh, that's okay. I, it makes me sound younger. Don't trust what's on the internet is the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly. Well, you said you you thought you're recruiting me, so I said, oh, he's been around a little bit. Um, but yeah, let's let's start with I, I I had you tagged at Baylor, your first coaching job in '85. If you want to give us a little background on yourself, I appreciate it. Yes, actually, uh, after I played college football, Shadrach State, I got my uh, graduate assistant uh, position there. And so I coached for a couple years there and then actually went down and coached uh, Nebraska high schools for six years and then uh, had the opportunity to go down and coach with coach staff at Baylor University. Uh, and then during, since that time, uh, I've been uh, basically at some NAI schools. I went back at the time to, at that time, it was Kearney State. They were uh, still NAI at that point. And then uh, during that time, made the transition into Division II. Also coached at a couple of NAI schools at Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany College in Kansas. Uh, from there, I went to the head coaching job at uh, Black Hill State up in South Dakota, uh, and then went to uh, Southeast Missouri, one uh, AA program in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, then back to University of Nebraska Kearney. Uh, at that time, they had made the change, both name and, and Division II. And then uh, been fortunate now and blessed to be out here at Colorado Mason now for the last uh, basically four and a half years. So 38 years later, you've seen a lot, um, integrity-based a lot, a lot of different marginal things in this process. Um, let's talk about the difference that you see that's really dramatic in coaching from the D1 to the D2 level. What's, what's the dramatic difference that sticks out to you? You know, I think there's there's several differences. If you take a look, even the Division One now has changed, even from the time that I was at Baylor back in the mid '80s. Mm -hmm. uh, now you're seeing guys that are recruiting basically uh, two or three years ahead, mm -hmm. and uh, I think there's there's both some advantage and some disadvantage to that. Uh, I think some of the advantages, obviously, uh, guys getting a little bit more a head start as far as uh, who who it is that they're trying to bring into their program, the evaluation, uh, the whole way through. But I think some of the disadvantage, um, truthfully, for uh, both both young men that are late developers and even for the Division One schools, is I think there's a lot of outstanding players that get bypassed, uh, and the scholarships are already committed, and then all of a sudden you get the late bloomer, and, and he has that chance to uh, uh, really step up and be an outstanding player. 
And uh, I think I think as you're seeing the things, I think there's also been a change very dramatically for the good th good side uh, in the area as far as the academic requirements. Um, you know, if you go back, uh, there was a whole lot of the situation that there were a lot of young men that were never graduating. And I think now that the NCAA has put a major emphasis on that, and I think you're seeing the top programs. They're doing a great job now with the academic uh, recruitment, retention, uh, and then really kind of allowing those young men the chance to finish their degree. And I think if you go back, that's still going to be a huge thing. Uh, I've had the opportunity to visit with a lot of NFL coaches and, and visit with a lot of people at the NFL level. And uh, you know, obviously the NFL career is only going to be about three years is the average thing. Uh, you go uh, beyond that situation, uh, there's a lot of young men then that play in the NFL. They get their dream, and yet a year removed from playing in the NFL, they're financially broke. And uh, the young men that tend to make it, 88% of them, the last I heard, was they say they have their college degree. And so I think you're seeing a whole lot better job of, of coaches as well, emphasizing the academic situation for the young men uh, and their development throughout that. I think you've seen programs put a lot more emphasis in their academic assistance programs, especially at the Division I level. Um, you know, the opportunity is definitely there for young men to get their degree in education. I think at the Division II level, what you've seen is um, a lot of different philosophies in the recruiting situation. Uh, I think some of them uh, very much uh, put, put the major emphasis into both the academic and the athletic, uh, but I think it, it's still going to be different because there's a lot of programs at the Division II level that are trying to recruit one, two years out, the whole way through. Uh, our philosophy here is even different because we don't make any official offers until mid-December of the young man's senior year. And uh, a lot of that goes into both the areas that we are recruiting um, as well as we're trying to recruit a whole lot of those young men that literally are on <laughs> a lot of Division I boards. Um, I know when I was at Baylor University, you know, obviously you're going you're gonna to be offering 20, 25 scholarships you know, a year on the things, depending on, on where you're at, your numbers. And yet at the same time, you're recruiting several hundred young men. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of other people that are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And once those young men start getting those commitments, uh, then all of a sudden they're, they're, there's guys that they're, they're, they're number four, number five, number six, seven on on multiple Division One boards, but they're not the number one or two guy, and so they're not getting that offer. And those are the guys that we really put a lot of emphasis in trying to get into our program. Mm -hmm. And so that way we, you know, um, really started recruiting this way at the 1AA level uh, when I was with uh, Coach Billings at, at Southeast Missouri. And and I kind of called it uh, vulture recruiting. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time I had a recruiting list from uh, five different Division One coaches. Uh, I was recruiting both in the Cape Girardeau area, but I had a lot down in the, um, I had the Dayton Broward County. Mm -hmm. And so as, as guys would fall off of their list and all of a sudden they didn't have an offer, like I said, we just kind of swooped in and and got them an offer, and and it was amazing the success rate that we had with those young men as far as come to play for us, and, and we turned the program around very quickly that had not been very strong at, at the one double A level and became a nationally ranked team, and and we're actually following a lot of that same pattern here of uh, waiting in in a lot of our signing until uh, after a lot of the Division One fall through, and then trying to get in on those young men and let them know that there's still opportunities for them, uh, both academically, athletically, and it's the whole fit, personal social fit. And so I think you're seeing that, um, a lot of programs and, and what they're doing 
at the Division One level, they're recruiting those two or three years out. And they're even here now. They're they're talking about uh, you know the, the guys that they're following as far as freshmen and everything else. Well, to me, football is a developmental game. There's going to be so many changes physically, mentally, even psychologically and emotionally that um, for our purpose. Uh, and even if I was back in Division One as a head coach. I wouldn't want to do all that evaluation and finalize that evaluation that early. I know that a lot of people do it because they feel that's what you got to do to be competitive. But at the same time, there's still not an offer that is, is firm until that young man has a chance to sign that offer and make that commitment in both an early signing period or even as, as they make their commitment in February. But I also, you know, one of the things that, that sometimes uh, I, I share with our recruits, I share with their parents, is you hear all these young men that are making a commitment to such and such a school. And a few weeks later, they decommit and they commit to another school. Uh, to me, that's not a commitment. And uh, I'm, I share with the young men that we're visiting, hey, if you're shopping, keep shopping. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't make a commitment to a school until you're ready to make a commitment to a school. But then when you make a commitment, learn to stand behind that commitment. And I think that's one of the changes that we see in society in general is it's difficult for young men. Yeah to want to stand in, in, in and, and, and go through that commitment and understand that, you know what, I'm going to make king. I'm competing against a lot of 21, 22-year-olds. They're better than me. <laughs> they were outstanding players. It's hard for, for young men to make that, and you're seeing a lot of players. Uh, more and more, that if, if they're not playing right away, they want to make a jump and find a place that they can play. I well, understand some of that but they need to evaluate it as they look at it. Well, that's one of the things I was going to lead to a little bit later in the segment. Um, going back to your academic, in my own experience, the NCAA, it's necessary, and there's a lot of suspect things that I don't agree with, and one of them being, you know, how do they divvy the money up? And we could talk about that for hours, but one of the things that's necessary is a governing body for safety and academic compliance, and it's gotten tougher, as you know, this year, the 2016 class. It's a new algorithm of how they figure out core core requirements at the D1, D2 level. But going back and looking at even myself in 1992, I, I wish I paid attention in class. And sports is, is a short segment of your life. I mean, it builds memories. You build bonds. You build relationships for a lifetime. But the, the, the sport itself playing is so short relative to your life. Here I sit at 43 and run a, a, a large organization and I struggle sometimes. I look at things and say, you know, if I would have paid attention in class, I probably would have figured this out a little bit quicker. Um, so, you know, back then they used to sweep you under the rug and say, okay, you got a 2.1 or 2.2 and you got a 17 on the ACT. We'll talk to our academic people and get you in. Now, the, you know, for you kids listening, there's no – it doesn't matter if you're six seven, three 330 pounds or run a 4.4. You're not going to play in college if you do not comply with the NCAA or NAI guidelines. It is what it is. Um, so it's great content that you touch base on that as far as the changes. And one of the things you led into was what I call the sense of entitlement. I even see it now in girls' basketball players. Um, it used to be the female student athlete. They lobbied and fought for the Title IX, for the opportunity for a scholarship. And now you see some major Division One coaches complaining, like, I don't want to coach these kids anymore because a lot of them come in and think they're going to play right away, and they don't realize – when you strap the helmet up, there's some grown men that are ahead of you. And and I think mm-hmm. you touch base on that. And, and it's one of the, you know, the things we really preach to our parents and our coaches and, and our community is you got to start again like you're a freshman or you're a rookie. You just got to earn your right 
just because you've got a scholarship or an academic package wherever you got doesn't guarantee you're going to play. Is that a good, a valid point? I think you, I think you're right on point, and uh, I, I think that the sense of entitlement is is a situation we're dealing with in our society, and and mm-hmm. I think it's wrong. And, and I'm with you 100 percent on that. And, and the illustration I even share with the young men and with their parents, so that they really understand, as I said, if you take a look at it. And, you know, the NCAA gives you five to play four. And I give them the analogy. You're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. The three in the middle are the same. Are you going to be better at 22 or 18? Mm-hmm. Well, they all know they're going to be better at 22. I said, exactly. And I said, and if the program can't make you better, you shouldn't be interested in that program. But by the same token, understand, you know what, I would rather you be playing every down at 22 than playing a couple downs at, at 18. Mm-hmm. And they understand that. And I said, well, let me make it even more specific. If you count backwards, senior, you know, junior, sophomore, freshman, eighth grader. I said, how many eighth graders are better than you? Well, they all know there aren't any eighth graders better. I said, exactly. I said, guess which guy you are next year. You're technically making that transition. You're playing against the best of the best now, and you're the, you're the youngest guy on that ladder. And then I said, so don't expect – that you're going to be playing up at, at the highest level. I said, you've already told me you're going to be a lot better then. Well, so are these other guys. They were outstanding high school players. But it's hard for, for young men in particular, I think, to see that. And I think the other thing is football, A.J., and you know this, it's still different than other sports. Um, you look at basketball, baseball, there have been times baseball that the number one draft pick in the, in the draft is a high school player. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and they're trying to develop them. Well, in football, you know, obviously it's against the NFL rules, but there's not a high school player in the country that's ready to play at the NFL level. Well, Maurice Glad tried that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just a standpoint that uh, so many of them don't understand that, you know, their body is still going to change. The demands are going to still change. Um, you know, the, the, the adjustment that they have to understand is that, you know, the first year away they go to college, for me, I mean, it's the first time they've been away from home. All of a sudden they're not sleeping in their own bed during the day. As soon as they get up, they got to go across camp period. They're not, they're not going down with mom's got breakfast fixed. Every class has new teachers, new study situations. Everything in their life has changed. And, and you know, for us, I wanted to, to adjust academically, personally, and socially the first year, even more so than, than, than athletically. Because I don't say adjust in, in the academic realm or in the personal social. I know they're going to they're gonna be there for those other years to develop. And just what you said, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you... Maybe you qualify out of high school, but if you don't, if you don't requalify and you don't meet the academic standards after that first year, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't play. And, and I want guys to understand that it is commitment on their part. It's a commitment on on our part, and, and it's that way with each university. The commitment that young men and the programs are making to those young men, you know, it, it's a two-way street. And uh, there's so many of them, just like you said, it's a sense of entitlement that if I don't get my way, well, then I'm, I'm going somewhere else. And quite honestly, that's one of the things that I try and address. And you can you can never tell for sure, but I think that if that's what they feel, then they need to look at another program instead of ours right out the gate. Um, I know we're going to have great players, and we're going to play against some great players. But I want young men that are committed to our institution. I'm going to go way back to 1985 when I was at Baylor University. One of the first things Coach Taft shared in in our recruiting news, he says, you know, uh, at that time Baylor was in the Southwest Conference. We were competing with Texas. Our facilities were not close to, to anybody else in Southwest Conference. They're way behind at that point. Now, now there's things that I want. But, but our facilities were not as good. And, and, and he said, you know, we may not have the guys that are one, two, three, four on our board. He said, but every young man we bring in, he says, I want them to have 
Baylor University is number one on their board. He said, because then when it's fourth down, he says, I know we're getting 100% out of that young man. He says, and then we'll let the wins and losses take care of themselves. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what we try and do here. I want every young man to come here. I want us to be number one on his board for the right reasons, and that's because he's evaluated academically, personally, socially, as well as athletically. And then I know he's going to be a great fit for our program. Yeah, and, and you know, going back, and I always consult parents and, and athletes and, and speaking arrangements, and this is a true story. Um, going back to recruiting, I remember I was in the Parade All-American Guide and highly touted recruit, and and really every day at lunch the Marine recruiter always approached me and said, hey, if you don't get the scholarship or if you don't go to school, be a Marine, be a Marine, be a Marine. I, I actually like the guy. He's persistent. So I always talked to him every day, and I, I obviously ended up signing. Showed up for camp. The first thing the coach told me is no girls in dorm, no you know, no hanging out, no getting in trouble. There's too many opportunities to get in trouble. So he kept us busy in the weight room film running. And then I remember I was a fullback and I ran in the platoon with the tailbacks and I had to get the time the tailbacks got. And it was just hell for me being a 260 pound fullback and not, not about a distance guy at 5'11, 265. Uh, but I had to run it and I, I made it happen, but it hurt. And I remember one time saying, I wish I joined the Marines. And that was a reality check. And I think that if these kids, could really grasp that analogy they would be a little more successful but I do deal a lot of coaches and I talk to them and and I guess if you had to put a number on it if you pick 10 recruits and you you know it's a little bit easier with social media and we'll talk about that in a minute but if you had 10 guys in the room how many out of 10 do you think you you assessed correctly and picked right because I know it's not 10 for 10. No it's not I mean and that's that's just it and um, you know, that's one of the things we talk about as a staff because even in the evaluation that you try and follow, um, I, I feel with our staff myself, the group said, you know what, there, there is no 100% proof. So if you don't believe that, just look at the NFL draft that just occurred. And every year, how many first-round draft, first, second-round draft plus there are, how many free agents end up becoming uh, great players in the NFL. And I said, there's going a lot more money than any college or university is in, in that development because – the two things that, that we try and get as good an evaluation from coaches, from, from counselors, from people that we can get and stuff, AJ, to try and help us, is we want to know the heart and the mind of the athlete because those are the two things that, to me, no coach can truly measure. And, uh, you know, that's why some young men have that burning desire and they will, they will reach and they'll, be, they'll become those, so to speak, overachievers. And there's a lot of the others that they look like a million bucks and they walk through the door as they're going through the drills, but they never become the player that you hope they were because it's too easy to evaluate those physical numbers. It's difficult to evaluate the intrinsic, the heart and the mind. And, and to me, those are still the most critical things that, that each athlete must have, and that's one of the things that as coaches, even once we get a young man in the program, that we truly we try and coach and coach the heart and coach the mind of the young man to where it's him pulling it out of himself and all of a sudden trying to become the best player he can be called. How instrumental, um, obviously it's dynamically different from the 80s recruiting to 2016, how instrumental and detrimental is social media in this process for you guys? Well, what a, what a great point. Um, you know, it, it's social media, the, the changes that have been made, are both fantastic because you have access to a lot more video. 
a lot more information on the young men. But I think the negative situation that, that most young men and women, even even in the women's sports, that, that they forget is, is the impact that it can have because of the things that can get posted and how easy something can get posted for everybody to see. And you may think of something is, is kind of a, a fun thing or just kind of a cool thing on the moment, and yet it has a major impact on the results down the line because, um, you know, all of a sudden it's a situation that negative things are getting posted, things that, that shouldn't be happening for, for a, a high school junior, senior, college freshman, even for the players in our program, and, that, and, and it's going to have a, an impact on their future. And it is a huge deal, and that's one of the things that, uh, we try and find out on young men, you know, before we sign them. We'll, we'll, we want our coaches to check them. I want to find out what kind of things are they putting on them because it does it does affect the young men that we recruit uh, because it tells you a lot of who they are mm-hmm. when nobody else really watches. And, yeah. and that's an important thing uh, because you can't keep your eye on them all the time. And all of a sudden you get that young man that they're tweeting out, everything is negative about the, the, the high school coach or about their teammates and everything else. Well, guess what? He's going to be doing the same thing in your program, and and, and for us, there are times we're not going to, we're not going to recruit that young man. And it's the same thing when they come on a visit, even though it's not a, a social media post. Uh, when we when we have our our student athletes host our recruits, um, we get feedback from them before we ever offer that young man scholarship, mm-hmm. because I want to know from our players that are currently in the program: is he going to be a young man that fits? what we want because invariably there's times they get away from the coaches and and they, the real thing comes at them. And, and it's important for us. Um, I, 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 I don't want to intentionally invite a cancer into our program. Oh, and yeah. uh, the social media situation you're talking about, I think it plays a huge impact on, on young men and women. And honestly, I've seen several of the Division One coaches now that they put out the same thing to the young men that, you know what? Um, they will grab them for, for different things, and I think I think that is a great thing because again, it goes back to what you had addressed earlier: the entitlement factor. AJ, they're not entitled to that. It's a, it's an important thing. They got to understand the opportunity to play college athletics is a tremendous opportunity. It's not a right that they're guaranteed. They're not entitled to play for Ohio State or University of Nebraska or some other program or even for Colorado Mason University. You know it is something that they've got to continue to earn each and every day. Yeah, and what you were talking for a moment about, and you're one of the first coaches I've actually, and I know it's a, it's a practice, that's why you have a host. A lot of people think, oh, it's so, you know, we can come down and party and hang out. Yeah, it's a social environment. You go, you go to the cafeteria, you do some social things with players, but it really is a measuring stick of, you know, what what is a kid like socially? Do they have that aura? And, and it brings me back to a kid we worked with, Last minute, we placed a kid ahead of a guy that had a verbal offer with a D1 school. He was the number one rated quarterback in the state, had all the numbers, was six foot four. I met with the father, and I said, he's not a D1 quarterback. And he goes, you're crazy. What do you mean? I said, he doesn't have it. There's, there's an aura about a guy yeah. that even a coach, I'm going to run through a brick wall for my coach. I'm going to run through a brick wall for my quarterback. I'm going to block backside extra for my quarterback. Yep. He just wasn't one of those guys. And, and the dad looked at me and says, you know what you're talking about? Guess what? He didn't go D1. He went D2. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. He, he did not have that, and what you measure, intangible of that leadership aura. That, and it's very important, and a lot of people don't understand it. They just focus on 
height, weight, speed, stats, and that's it. Um, yep. You know, just because you're a five-star rating kid doesn't mean you're going to translate into that next level of leadership. That doesn't mean it at all. Um, and exactly. I, I think that was a great point you touched on. Have you ever had a kid that, and, and let's go back to something you said that may confuse some people. Coaches and colleges at D1, D2 level start early, ninth, 10th grade, but they, you don't in your practice, and most D2s, even some D1s, don't offer until December. So parents are scratching their head right now going, well, why should I start the process early? Because you're recruiting them, that's why. You're building a relationship. You're trying to figure yeah. out is it the right person for your program for the next couple years, or maybe offer a one-year deal. I don't know what you guys do. But parents listening, you start this process early because a coach gets an opportunity to measure how you trend, how you progress, and build a relationship, which means conversation, social media, things like that. But have you ever had a kid that you followed for maybe two years and you really wanted that kid in the program and then you had to break the news because you found out something and you said, I just can't have this here? Now, how do you break that? I'm sure you had to do it. You know, we have, and it's a standpoint that um, uh, we do it kind of the same way as, as everybody else. Um, I'm going to be honest with him, and I, I share with him exactly what the situation was and how it impacts them, how it impacted our program, and how basically and, and generally it comes back to the social media and into the character of the individual of just certain things that we're not going to have in our program. And, uh, you know, it, it's also been a standpoint that I've had a couple young men that uh, have been in the program that I've had to dismiss because of the character issues. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing I told them. I said, look, I said, Honestly, I don't believe this is who you are. But until you change that, you can't be a part of our program. And I said, if somebody calls me, I, I will share with them, you know, both the good and the bad. Because there are some young men that uh, we have dismissed out of our program that have went on and, and been very good players for somebody else. And I shared with the coach. I said, look, I don't believe that's who he is, but it's a standpoint that I, you know, I wasn't going to tolerate it. And I think the best thing for him is to find another program and start anew. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna paint a, a, a perfect picture of the young man mm-hmm. if they've had some behavioral issues in ours. But I, I want. I want the other coach to know that. And I. I ask other coaches if somebody's looking to transfer our program, I want to find out the same thing, because um, I think that's that's part of our responsibilities, coaches. You know, I've been in it long enough now, AJ, that uh, I would rather have a young man go someone's place and be happy than come here just because. He was a guy we wanted, and we recruited him and rolled out the red carpet and everything else and, and presented a false pretense for him and, and then got him here, and then he's not happy. I'd rather him go somewhere else and, and have a right fit for him than come here and have a bad experience. Uh, that doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect. But right. at the same time, uh, I do know that we're going to have more than enough quality players mm-hmm. that we can have a great program. And I think that's what, um, uh, for the for the most part, I think that's really what the young men are looking for is finding the right fit. And yeah. that's why we still try and emphasize the, the whole thing, the athletic, the academics, the personal, the social, even geographical environments for them uh, to finalize their decisions. Well, and also the advice to parents is when you look at this and go through this process, be involved. Don't just say it's up to their decision. It's, it's comical how yes. when it's time to make decisions – the kid's not 18, or they are 18 and they can make their own decisions, be involved in that decision. Maybe even go on the visit. Personally, do you like when a parent comes on a visit? Do you like talking to parents in the recruiting process? 
very much so. We love having the parents come in because they're going to see things from a different perspective. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go back to what you were just talking about, that point of, of having the parents involved. Um, you know, in, in our situation, I, I give the young men two examples. I said, number one, before they finalize the decision, you know, uh, AJ, this goes back to the biblical principle, seek wise counsel. I said, you know, when, when a lot of those young men come in, yeah, we've talked on the phone, we've done some of the things here, but it's the first time they've ever met me face-to-face. I tell them, you know what? I said, truthfully, I said, you guys don't know me from Adam. I can be the biggest con artist you ever met. <laughs> I said, so go to the people that you trust. Go to your parents, go to your coaches, your teachers, your counselors, your pastors. I said, get input from them about choices you're making. I said, because they've all survived those college years. I right. said, so get input from people that know, that know you and what's important to you. I said, but ultimately then, also understand that you have to be accountable for your decision. I said, because if the only reason we choose to come to Colorado Mesa is because that's where mom wanted you to go, I said, as soon as you start running the obstacles, you've already given yourself an easy out. I said, you make the commitment because there's going to be obstacles. It's not easy. It's not easy in any college football program, in any college athletic program. You're going to hit obstacles. And when you hit those obstacles, they're not put there to keep you from getting what you're wanting. You know, whether it's a college degree, career job, a, a conference championship, an anchor championship, I said they're put there to find out how bad you really want it. And when you run into those obstacles, that's where your 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 commitment, your resolve is going to show because you're either going to find what it's the bad foot, climb over, do whatever you got to do. But that's what makes that, that, that goal on the other side so important. And... Uh, I want them to understand that yes, they got to make that, that they got to make that decision. They got to be accountable for it. But they're crazy if they don't get as much input as they can from their parents, their coaches, and even even from standpoint that uh, I know a lot of you utilize the recruiting services. They need to talk to the people that are involved in those services to help them find the right fit. It's not just finding the school; it's finding the right school and the right program that's going to give them that opportunity. Well, that's the, the issue. I don't really call it an issue, but we're all about our culture here. Every office location is about integrity and transparency and not selling a bag of goods and a promise because ultimately we're not writing the check. The college coaches, you guys are looking at evaluations, yeah. things we send out, and we run a personality test. We do a lot of things out of the box that a lot of high school coaches kind of shun at, and I say, you know what? They need to find out, and we're referring um, either through digital media or mail or whatever practice we use with a particular school. But at the end of the day, n- the numbers don't lie. 98, 99% of these kids don't play Division One sports, let alone on scholarship. Yeah. So with yeah. that said, let's just get it out of the way and let's look at what's a right fit for you to continue, maybe get some playing time, have a good experience because your grades are relative to your experience. And you also have to look at this and say, you know, you're buying the coach, not just the school. So many kids fall in love with the coach and the process that I tell parents, you have to treat this like this is the new father of your son. And when you can look at it that way, that this individual is going to have an impact on his life and his process at this next stage, you're going to be successful. If you can't, you're going to fail. If you just go there to play football, don't do it. And a lot of people don't like hearing that. They don't like hearing that they're D2, D3 or JUCO because they're grades. They don't like hearing the truth. They don't even like half the stuff we say on the show because it's not real sexy and flashy ESPN stuff. It's real true recruiting stuff. And it's not, you know, the most bright-eyed topic. But, you know, like I said, we're transparent. We'll evaluate a player and say, you know what, you got a 4.0, you got a 30 in the ACT, 
but you're a 5'11 quarterback. They're a dime a dozen. Let's look yep. at, at let's maximize your academic money, and maybe it's a D3 school that's ranked in the top 25 in the country. There's nothing wrong with that. I wish I would have went to Cornell or studied harder because a 2.1 at Cornell is better than 2.1 at my local university here. So, you know, that's yep. that's kind of advice we give, and I know it's tough for you guys. What do you – what's the core values you look for in, in a recruit? I know when I talked to you on a previous show, Iowa coach, he kind of went – you know, treat women with respect, don't steal. But what do you really look for on, on the, the football and personality side when you're evaluating players? You know, um, I'm, I, I, I'll hit that, and then I want to come back to one of the points you made there. You know, I share with guys, I said, you know what, in our situation, I said, quite honestly, I said, you know, the core values are found that we, ought, we have four rules in our program. Number one, you go to class. That's what you're here for is you get a degree, get your education. Number two is a show class. You know, and that means you learn to act in a class fashion, and that goes back to some of that entitlement situation. Um, we share with them right out of the gate. Our expectations are way higher than a normal student. And then uh, number three is you treat people as dignity and respect. Um, and and I, I share that with them because, uh, you know, I think there are so many, so many young men and women now that if you take those things of, of acting in a class fashion, showing people dignity and respect, that's not what they're used to doing. And they're used to cutting other people down because the more I cut them down, the better it makes me look. No, that's wrong. Uh, I want young men that are going to stand out because of the standards that they hold. Helping somebody else out that, that has no chance to repay them, um, first on campus, somebody in the dorm, somebody in the, in the cafeteria, whatever the situation is. But at the same time, and uh, I, I, I use illustration with them. I said, you know, it goes back to being that cancer in a program. Uh, you can take a tremendous talent. And, uh, you know, I, I used a couple specific former NFL players. I said, there are different guys. Uh, but I said, they have they had great talent. And yet you added them to any team, and the team always went backwards because yeah, they yeah. were cancer. Yep. And, and I said, that's not what we're going to have in, in this program. And, and then, you know, number four, I said, you know, it's just simply the do-right rule. I said, you can't think about it very much. I said, you know what, you're already telling yourself it's wrong because you're trying to find a way to justify it. But I said, I'll make it easy. Pretend your mom looks over your shoulder. Pretend your coach looks over your shoulder. They said, well, then I wouldn't do it. Well, then don't do it. You know? And, and, and then I share with them. I said, you know what? The good Lord is looking over your shoulder. Don't do it. But at the same time, I told them, you know, we all make mistakes. And I said, now what becomes important goes back to what you were talking about. The people you surround yourself with, they're going to be the ones that help get you back on track. Or they're going to be the ones that pull you off track even farther. And, and that's where choosing that coach, choosing the, the, the team, the players you're going to associate with, to me, is so critical because you are. It's not just the program. It's the coaches. It's the players in that program. It's the values that they hold, the standards that they're going to live up to. Because, again, the more you get people pulling you back into the positive direction, the faster you're going to get there. The more you get people pulling you off to the negative direction, mm-hmm. the faster you're going to go that way. And, and I think that, that you're exactly right, the uh, the, 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 you know, the, the three major influences on a young man's life right now, you know, generally tend to be their personal faith, their family, and their friends. Well, when they go to college, all right, obviously they're not having the same friends. Who becomes their new friends? Basically the team. Mm-hmm. Who becomes the, the new new family? The team and the coaches. And and so you're 100% right. That The, the coaches become your, your second dad, your dad away from home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, what kind of influence are you going to have? And that's another reason that I'm going to go back to what you had asked me earlier. Why is it important that the parents are, are here on a visit? Because, you know what, 
our children, uh, my wife and I have four children, they're, they're the greatest investment we ever have. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to pass them off to somebody mm-hmm. that has exact opposite values of what we have? I'm not. And, and, and they shouldn't do that either. And so we enjoy having the parents there. And then at the same time, they have a chance to find out, you know, are they going to be able to stay strong in their faith or in the things and the values that they possess? That's, that, you know, our values, we should never compromise our values. And uh, so I think the point you hit on, on that, AJ, is, is 100% on point. And uh, I think that that's one of the other things is parents are looking at even some of the recruiting services. What is a recruiting service truly offering? Because if they're painting everything in, oh, we're going to give you Division One. you know what, that's not what it is. They've got to understand the reality. They've got to understand the facts. They've got to understand somebody that is actually even more concerned for them finding the right kid. Well, I, I, you know, I just had a staff member that's in, uh, I'm, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, um, right downtown. He, one of the staff members sits next to me in the office said, I've never heard you say to anyone that you promised them D1. And I've sat in people's living rooms or they've come to my office, and I've seen a kid that's just been overlooked because a coach just, you know, maybe there's a personality problem. Usually if, if a kid's six foot six, 305 pounds and runs a five flat, there's a problem. There's something going on. Um, that, and, and I can read between the lines, but I, I have kids like that that are now in the NFL, and I look back and I still didn't say D1 because you can't, unless you're writing the check, don't open your mouth. Um, yeah. All I can do and all any service can do is put together a concise package, film and all those best efforts and the transcripts and, and really put together everything and, and coach them through the process on how to maximize because it is a business at the Division One, Division Two, and even D3. Obviously, it's a little bit different at the D3 level. But, you know, going on to the business aspect, and, and, and the, there's a dirty side to everything, just like in recruiting services, there's, a, there's good companies or bad ones. Coaches, and, and, and we'll go back to this verbal practice now, one of the things that makes me chuckle with ESPN and media, social media, is just this past year it's gotten out of hand. Like kids are jumping out of freaking airplanes with a parachute going, I'm committing to – and I'm going, this is crazy. And let's talk about the soft verbal. It makes me laugh because it's like I kind of like you, but I don't. It's like going up to a girl yeah. and saying, I think you're kind of cute, and I'm kind of into you, but I'm going to wait and see if there's a one that's a little bit better than you. Uh, so I, the soft verbal, hard verbal, I mean, it's gotten so – it's BS. I, at the end of the day, yes. a verbal, the verbal agreement is like a handshake. It's only as good as a person you're shaking hands with. And a lot of parents don't understand – Oh, we're done because a couple schools sent us some handwritten letters, and and they said they're going to offer. Yeah. Your best advice on that? I know you guys practice different, especially when in December. If you're offering in December, it's a real offer, and it's ready to be signed off in February. Uh, you know, and then you got the late process. But what do you? What's your opinion on this soft verbal, hard verbal, and all that stuff as a coach going through this process? You know, I I am with you 100. percent I think that uh, so much of it has become a show. Yeah. And it's not real. And um, I think I think that people need to learn that if you're going to make a commitment, make a commitment. And if you're still shopping, there's nothing wrong with still shopping and letting people know. And, that. and, and to me, um, that's that's also part of why we don't we don't do that with the early commits because um, you know what? It, it, to most people anymore, um, I'm not going to say most people, but to a lot of people, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and, uh, you're right. It, it should mean something. It should mean something very, very much. And, uh, you know, I share with people, I said, you know, uh, 
my dad was a, was, was an individual passed away a couple years ago. He was a farmer. He never even finished high school. But I said the one thing that I learned from him as much more than anything is let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and, and you shouldn't need a contract. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, well, then do it. And, and you know, I, I wish we had more people in society that were that way today. Unfortunately, we don't. And so I think some of that, that soft verbal, uh, you know, I, I think it's, quite honestly, it's for the birds. And yeah. I, 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 I can't remember the young man uh, already this year. It was earlier this year that I was, uh, I was reading about, and it was a Division One quarterback that he had committed. And I, I want to say it was maybe a Texas fan in. And yet he lists in his deal he goes, I'm committed. And, and maybe it's maybe it wasn't them, but I'm committed to them, but I'm going to entertain offers. But then he lists off about, you know, 10 or 12 other schools. Well, now, then that means your commitment to them is absolutely zero because all you're doing is you're still shopping. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and that's one of the things. Well, they, they know it, too. They, they know yeah. it. Coaches know it. They all, I, I need I need two quarterbacks. I'm going to offer six. Yes. I've seen a yep. coach offer a kid, and then when he signs, he shows up on campus. He said, you're never going to play. I offered you because I didn't want to play against you. But I got exactly. another kid better. I'm going, wow. I mean, yeah. so I guess do you think coaches ever lie to prospects? Not – I'm not saying you, but just in the, in the industry as a whole, do you think a coach is, cause some of these coaches are, are lying to prospects? And more importantly, have you ever been lied to by a prospect where you just shake your head and go, I never saw that coming? You know what? Uh, I, I would say that has happened both ways. Yeah. Um, I know that there have been a lot of coaches, I know, uh, even just in, in, in the recruiting process that uh, I've been involved in for who knows how many years, basically 32 of the years been at college level of the of the. Uh, 38 I've been coaching and I know there's there's even today there's times that uh, young male that's well I've been offered that's such success been offered such and that they never get that offer mm-hmm. and that's one of the things they're telling so okay if a school is, is truly offering he's asking them what, what are they offering you know division one they have to offer the full ride correct all right and and, and division division uh, two and even like when we were at the uh, FCS you can offer partial situations I'll ask you okay then then what exactly did they offer you well, I don't know. They just said they're going to offer me. Until you know exactly what they're offering you, you know, well, maybe they're offering you one dollar. Well, they they offer you, they fulfill their part. I said, don't be afraid to ask somebody what what they're actually offering, and that because I said that's why we're not going to when we when we offer you a man. I said, you know, we're going to give you a, a, a an dollar offer sheet. What you op- can do. You're going to give them an exactly. offer sheet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I said that way you know exactly what it is. And I said, and we put the the whole cost of the university and everything else because. We're not even a fully funded Division II program. I said, that's okay. Yep. I said, that's not an excuse for us not to be good. I said, I just want to be honest with you so that you know up front, here's, here's what we can offer. Here's what you can still expect to pay. And I said, if that doesn't work, well, then find the right place that is good for you. I said, I understand finances are still going to be an important part of that decision. But at the same time, uh, we're going to be honest with you on the end of, of what it's going to cost here and what we can offer them. And but I, I do know that I still see that in a lot of cases. Uh, I know I have young men that are committed to us, uh, and then, you know, they, they, they allow. And the thing I share with them, our situation here at Colorado Mason is even different than most of the Division II because we'll start our season. We'll, we'll, we'll start with a roster of about 130 guys. And yet every year and stuff, and again, I've got to turn away another 50 to 75 guys or more that want to be a part of our program, but we don't have we don't have – uh, both the space, we don't have the coaching staff for it, and then obviously with the uh, 
uh, time line or gender equity, we're, we're not going to go above that number. Yep. And so it's a standpoint that I tell them, if a young man commits to us and then bails out, I said, not only did you affect our program, I said, you, you basically affect, affected 75 other young men. But I told them they can't be a part of our program yep. because we counted on you. Yep. And uh, I think that goes back to that entire country. And um, uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of the, the, the soft and hard commitments. Um, I want young men to, to learn to be, you know, true to your word. And, and if that's what you say, then, then honor that commitment. And there's three prongs to recruiting. I try to preach to coaches and parents when I when I talk to them. And one of the things, and I coached high school football. I never coached college, but I would assume, in common sense and deductive reasoning, that three prongs would be athletic ability, academic status, and financial need. So, being a coach of a program that's not endowed with all the money in the world to you know full boat guys. How important is that financial need and academics in this process for you? Oh, it's a huge thing because if we can get a young man that's taking care of his academics through high school and he can qualify for even a small amount of, of financial aid or scholarships academically, uh, then, then all of a sudden a dollar is a dollar. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And that's one of the things that, that we can share with young men. Here it's possible for young men uh, to actually get full on academic money, even after they've been here, if they do well in, in college. Right. I told hey, you, you want to know the fastest way to improve your scholarship? Take care of your academic business. <laughs> I said, that, that, that can be guaranteed. You just do well academically. I said, but at the same time, I said, you got to learn to work with it because we don't have that. And, and uh, we don't have guys that are on full ride. And it is a situation then that if they can get a dollar from, from the academic side, then that's, that's their total cost. If they're a financial need, young men, it's an important thing there because Almost every institution, besides the federal situation, you know, they, they have institutional aid. But you mm-hmm. can't offer the institutional aid unless you have the federal uh, guidelines that, that they got to follow first. And so that's, uh, to me, I think that's one of the things that a lot of the parents really need to be educated on anymore because it's amazing how many of them will still get deep in that recruiting process and they, they don't have a clue uh, what, what they'll qualify for or not qualify for in that area. And yet they want, they want the... Uh, places at the Division II or at the NAI or Division III to put that financial aid package together for them. You know, and, and we haven't talked about it much, uh, but when I was at the NAI, in other words, very similar to Division III. Uh, Division III, you know, uh, as far as not offering the athletic scholarships from the NAI schools were that way. The financial packaging of all of that was really critical and uh, of putting those things together. And so that process even tends to go on even longer. And it's important, you know, that the parents understand how important that is, not just for the schools, but for themselves to know what it is that they're going to, that, you know, their, 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 uh, their commitment into the financial background and the education of the young man. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I'll, I'll share this because, um, you know, having the, having, having the uh, chance to recruit at the AIA level, uh, I tell people, I said, you know what, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, that was still probably the hardest recruiting I've ever had to do because you're dealing with trying to recruit young men, and yet you're asking to pay more than the level I've been involved in. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But I said, I said the, the other good part is, I said, is you also understand all of the ways that you can help people. And I said, so it's, it, 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 was a, it was a good thing as well, but the parents need to understand how important it is to take care of that side. And as they do that, also they just remember that, you know what, the, the, when that young man is going to get his education, 
where he goes, the quality of his education, the experience that he has the whole way through, to me, that's, that's going to be one of the three or four most important decisions he makes in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sure I think their personal faith is going to be the most important decision they ever make. That's the only one that deals for eternity. Then the decision of, of who they're going to marry. You know, I think to me, that's the critical factor. And I said, honestly, you want to look at your job opportunities, everything through your career, it starts with your college preparation. And, you know, if you don't take care of the things there, you're never going to be prepared for all the others. And to me, like I said, find the best value. It's, it's, you don't necessarily go buy the most expensive home just because it's expensive. You know, you don't go buy the, 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 the junk room just because it's cheap. I said, you find the home or the car or whatever it is that has the best value for what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true in your, in your college education. Find the one that has the best value for what you want, what you're looking for. And that includes that experience of the academic education, the old environment, the athletic experience on your hands, the personal, the social uh, surroundings of that whole thing, and even even the geographical, the opportunity of being somewhere else mm-hmm. and, and having the things that you want to do that are going to – you're going to be happy being where you're at. I know we were going to run for a half hour. Um, in closing, um, what do you think is – if you had to give one or two topic – or, or basically best advice, best practices for parents or prospects? What, what's the top things to do to be successful in this recruiting process? I think the number one thing that, that we recommend young men do is, first of all, take care of your academic issues. You know, make sure that that's never going to be a determining factor as far as when you start looking at the athletic experience. Take care of the academic realm. Take care of that side so that you are a qualifier. You know, and, and be familiar because right now it's different standards between Division One, Division Two. It's possible to be eligible Division One and not be eligible Division Two. Mm-hmm. And then with the sliding scale, I said, find out. The, and, and the other thing is, don't look to just do the minimum. You know, there's still some things that well, I'm just going to do what I need to do. No, don't learn. Don't live on the edge. Learn to live on solid ground, and then do the extra things. That means the same thing. What you go, what you're talking about help give yourself exposure, you know, by getting getting video links out as a sophomore as a junior. So even though we're not going to finalize any offers for, for their, in their senior year, mm-hmm. you know what, that whole process, that relationship, that's all starting to develop. And then the other thing is don't wait for the last minute to start looking at the schools you're interested in, you know, and, and, and leave the door open, you know, because just like you said, there's a lot of them that I'm going to play for a Division One program, and then all of a sudden that doesn't happen. Leave the door open and have a great opportunity at a Division II or one double eight at Division Three in any high school. Give yourself options so that you know what's the best fit for you. Like I tell parents and, and athletes, um, there's a set of eyes watching you when you start the process at the right time, which is early. And those eyes aren't going to pick up the phone and say, I'm looking at you. They're looking at you. Yeah. You're evaluating. You're going to be selective. You're going to talk to coaches. You're going to look at your files. Um, so, you know, it, it's start early and, and embrace and engage in the process. Don't really have a plan B. Just have a realistic plan and, and yeah. have a wide spectrum of schools. And, and it's okay to leave home. I, as I hear so many parents go, well, he wants to stay close to home. If you're down the yeah. street 45 minutes, you're yeah. still away from home. So just go. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what, what I always tell parents. Um, in closing this show, I've got a segment called The Toughest Yards. And you have not been given these questions in advance, so you can opt out if you want and punt on fourth down here. But toughest yards, 
What's the toughest challenge for you looking back as a player? What was the toughest thing you had to go through? As a player, for me, honestly, it was that first year, that freshman year. Uh, I can tell people I almost quit my first year because um, there were a couple of guys when I was a player that basically they didn't represent what college football was to me, and yet at the same time they were leaders of the program that I was in. And I had a little sit-down with myself uh, one <laughs> night, and I said, I'll be danged if I'm going to let them determine what I've always wanted to do for my life. And at that point, there was never another decision for me. I was staying the course, surrounding myself with some great players, and, and had a great college experience. So that was your toughest high school or toughest college experience. What's your that was tough, my toughest college experience. What's your toughest challenge as a coach to date? You know, the toughest challenge as a coach to date is identifying truly the heart and the mind of the athlete because, there, again, it is so easy to see the things on tape, the, the physical attributes, and there's times you just see someone and say, oh, man, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And yet, when you find out the heart, the mind, and the real character issues on that young man, um, it, it, it's not what you want. And, and it's not on the outside that you got to look. It's what's on the inside. And that's still the hardest thing to evaluate. And that, but uh, uh, it is a challenge, you know, I think, for all coaches across the country. I think I should get on a plane and we should uh, collaborate immediately and get an app for that. Can't we get an app that called My, the Heart app? Where you just you know put their finger on it, it measures their intention and their drive and determination and all those things that you look for. I wish there was an app, but we do give personality tests and we don't really publish it frequently because sometimes it's it's all relative that we see. You see a 2.1 kid, you see the personality traits are equivalent yeah. to their to their grades. So grades speak so much about the character. You get a 3.6 kid, a 3.8 kid. They're dynamically a different individual than that 2.1 kid. Doesn't mean that they're the best athlete. And I know sometimes you got to recruit a kid that you go, he's probably not my top pick for that position on the board. But I think the upside and the long-term goal for the program, this kid's going to fit better than that kid that runs a 4.445 with a 2.2. I mean, that's I, I've been that guy that I've had coaches tell me, you're just not going to make it here, son. And it's, yeah. it's it sucks to hear it. But being an older man now. Looking back and remembering those conversations, Joe Paterno, Lou Holtz, yep. stared me right in the face, said, we love you, you're a hard-nosed player, but you're not going to make it here academically, son. Good luck. It's like, wow, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is what it is. Coach, I um, anything in closing? I, I greatly appreciate your time. I know you're trying to run a program, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes out to, to give some advice here. And, um, you know, truly do, I'm humble and, and appreciate it greatly. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, if, if the parents have been able to get anything out of this and or the young man, uh, then it's certainly worthwhile. But uh, I know I, I was listening to some of your other topics that you've covered. I think you guys are doing a great job, and I think it's great. for It's a tremendous opportunity if parents will take advantage of it, if players will take advantage of it, because the many of the, the topics that you've discussed on the program, um, they will be invaluable to them down the line and give them better insight of what to expect if they want to become a tremendously successful college athlete. All right, I appreciate it, Coach. Um, we're all... Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.